everybody. Good to see all of you. Uh, in the back, too, I can't see you, but it's great to see you. I, I know you're back there. Well, hey, uh, if you're a guest here today, we're kind of in the three-quarter into the movie of a series we've been doing. It's called You'll Be Glad You Did. And uh, first week, we talked to, anybody remember, you guys? Students, right? Remember that? Long, long time ago, we talked to students. Next week, we talked to singles. And then week three, last week, we talked to married couples. Okay, if you weren't here last week and you're married and you're, you know, visiting with us today, I highly, highly encourage you to go back and sit with your wife and watch that one last week. And for those of you who were here, uh, can I just go ahead and ask you, how'd it go? Were you, were you able to pray out loud regularly with your wife? Yes, men, men in the house, yes. If not, I want to encourage you this week, okay, this week, hit the reset button and do it because you'll be glad you did. And a lot of other people, and your wife will be glad you did, and a lot of other people around you will be glad you did. And if you miss anything, if you miss anything we've been looking at, you can go back to our website here at lighthousecoc.com. And we've been talking about this subject, you'll be glad you did, because Jesus said this in one of his, his parables as he was finishing the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7. He said this, Therefore, everyone who hears my words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And do you think the guy who built his house on the rock, as Jesus, Jesus portrayed it, was glad he did? Absolutely, because right after this, Jesus described it. A storm came through, the winds pounded on the house, the rains pounded on the house, on that man's life is essentially what he's saying, and it stood strong. But there was another guy who built his house on the sand. Okay, and so what we've been talking about through all these different stages of life, we've been talking about if you do certain things, you'll be glad you did. But if you don't do those certain things, if you don't put the word into practice, like some of my brothers here today who basically this week decided, I'm going to wait one more week before I pray with my wife out loud, you'll wish you did. You'll wish you did. There will come a point, and I've seen this so many times in people's lives, they look back and they go, man, I wish I'd have done that when I had the chance. So we don't want to fall in that category, right? We want to be in that first category. So we're going to be talking today to older people, okay, age 40 plus, all right? So if you're younger than 40, you can take the day off. You can go ahead and leave early. Just kidding. Just kidding. Trust me, we're going to be talking to the 40 and older group, which I include myself, but everybody's going to get something out of it. Promise you that. Even though we talk to singles, guess who got something out of it? Everybody. Talk to students. Everybody. Okay, so everybody's going to get something. And what I want to say to, to you that are, that are 40 and older, okay, you're at the very front end of the stage of your life. You have an opportunity to leverage everything that you've been through in your life and pass it on to the next generation of people who are waiting behind you. So this is so important and, and, and it applies to everybody, but I especially, especially want to emphasize you guys who are 40 and older because you are in the prime time of your life to help other people behind you. 
you have an incredible, incredible opportunity to help people behind you. Okay, so 40 and older, we're going to turn up the volume, okay, and we're going to make the font even bigger, okay, so everybody can see. Can you guys see back there in the back? All right. All right, so in all seriousness, here's, here's what I want to say. For you guys that are 40 and older, you have an incredible opportunity in your life to help somebody else out. I do not want you to miss this opportunity that you have. If there's one thing I want to leave you with today is that you've got to make the most of the opportunity that life gives you. No matter where you are, even if maybe you're not 40 plus, but I'm especially talking to the 40 plus. And I want to, I want to begin sharing with you a story of somebody that I heard uh, a few years ago. He was speaking to us, a group of ministers training us. His name is John Clayton. And uh, John Clayton has an interesting story. He's in his late 70s, early 80s. And uh, his wife just passed away uh, a few years ago. But he has an incredible story. See, John Clayton, is a, he's a teacher, professor of physics, of geology. He spent 30 years teaching in the school system. He has a master's degree in earth and science and geology. Very educated. And he grew up as an atheist. At the age of eight, he was a self-proclaimed atheist. And you know why he was a self-proclaimed atheist? Because his mom raised him as an atheist. His mom would tell him when he was a young kid, he would say, only stupid people believe in God. You don't want to be stupid, do you? And so he got this all his young life as a young man hearing this, this play over and over again, that you're stupid, you're ignorant. And so he went into college with the idea that I'm going to get educated in science and I'm going to learn about, you know, everything that is not of God. And what he learned in college is that there is a conflict between God and science, which is not necessarily true. But he had experiences for himself. And so when he was 20 years old, he used to debate people who believed in God. And he noticed that they weren't well equipped to defend their faith. And so he basically came across this woman named Phyllis in college. And he describes her as the most hard-headed, iron-willed, stubborn woman, individual that he's ever come across in his whole life. And, and, and John Clayton and, and Phyllis would go at it back and forth about God and, and who he is and his love for mankind and his purpose for every individual. And she said, including you, John. He says, well, I don't believe in God. She said, why don't you believe in God? Because I'm an atheist. And atheists don't believe in God. So she challenged him over and over and over again. She told him, she said, listen, John, you need to read the Bible for yourself. Don't take your mother's word for it. You need to get to know who God is. So he read the Bible through four and five times. And he had it in his mind to write this book about how foolish it is to believe in God. But more and more that he started reading and, 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 and putting together the science that he had learned in college, he realized that, that the Bible 
and science are not in competition, not in conflict, but they actually mesh together. And John Clayton basically turned his life over to Jesus, believed because he studied it out, because he saw God in the science, in the geology. He saw it in, in, in physics. He saw it everywhere. He would, he would go to class and he saw it and he went to Phyllis and he says, I believe. And he was baptized in the name of Jesus and he got married to Phyllis. <laughs> Pretty cool, huh? And John Clayton spent most of his life in the public school system teaching children math and science and geology. And then he moved on to, to teach in college, but he, he basically saw that children, because of our school system, are programmed to believe that science and God don't mix. In fact, they're more influenced to say that God doesn't exist, and this is all here because of what, what they're, they're proposing is evolution started without anything to do with God. And he felt a tremendous conflict. He said, this isn't fair. And, and basically what John Clayton said is this, we've got to give children a fighting chance to have a faith of their own. So he went on a mission to educate children, to educate young people about how God and science mix together. And this is his website. He's well along in his years, but he's preserved his, his classes on video. You can go there. They're completely free. The, the website is doesgodexist.tv. Highly recommended. 32 videos. He gives his testimony. He shares his story. I mean, this guy is captivating. But he all started out as an atheist. And, and guys like John Clayton, he believes it's his mission in life to take what he's learned and what he's received and turn around and leverage it and pass it on to the children, to the young people behind him so that they can receive the benefit of what he's received. The thing that blew me away the most was when I went and heard John Clayton speak as he trained us as ministers. This was three weeks after his wife passed away. Phyllis, the love of his life, the woman who brought him to the faith, and we were all asking ourselves, and, and somebody raised their hand and said, John, why are you here? Your wife just passed away three weeks ago. I mean, you should be in mourning. Why are you here teaching us? Why are you out here still giving? And he said, I'm here because of what Phyllis did to me in my life. How can I not come? I mean, my life's mission if I love her and want to honor her and remember her, i got to be here talking to you guys about this. And this is kind of one of the mentalities. Another, another professor of ministers said this, Dr. Howard Hendricks. He says, it's a sin to bore children with the Word of God. Now, it's not a sin in the Bible, but according to Dr. Hendricks, it's a sin for him. And what he taught ministers is you've got to make sure that the Bible comes alive for children. It's one of the things that we've talked to our children's teachers. Hey, if you're down there, we want you out of yourself. I know it's early in the morning, but we want you to demonstrate that God is exciting. Bring energy to the classroom. And I believe this is true for everybody, not just children. Don't bore people with the Word of God because it is so, so exciting. And you know, Dr. Hendricks believes that 
it's so important to reach back and leverage what you have and give it to the generation behind you. This, we had the opportunity a few weeks ago to go to Singapore, and it's a very small country, but the church is big, about 2,000 members, and we got to spend a Sunday afternoon with two small groups, two faith groups, and have lunch with them. Now, lunch was interesting. We had a thing called fish head soup, and, and one of the, one of the, uh, one of the brothers here, I'm not sure which one, maybe this brother over here with his thumbs up, the pink shirt. He, he showed me the soup and he goes, hey, this is what we're having for lunch. And he stirred it up, right? And it looked like a kind of a, a, a tomatoey soup. And then all of a sudden this head with the, uh, the tongue coming out of the fish. And my stomach kind of moved around a little bit. Mm. And I remember the words of Jesus. He said, whatever is put before you, eat it. So I ate it. It wasn't too bad. But I told him not to put the fish in the soup. Just give me the soup, no, no head. But I want you guys to notice something. There, there, in the faith group, there's children here present, and we had the children, and we just had an incredible time of eating and talking, and everybody was included. We all had a great time. And they have a very strong conviction in the church in Singapore that everybody needs to hear and pass along what they've received. Younger couples, to children, to singles, to college students, all to the smallest children. Everybody understands my job is to take what I've received and pass it on to the next generation for the benefit of those that are a stage behind me in life. Jesus said it this way, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded, and from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. What have you received in your life? You know, Jesus is saying there's an expectation that we pass it along. And, and I believe for the people who are over 40, what keeps us from doing this sometimes is we disqualify ourselves. We think we're ordinary, we think we're normal, we think we haven't done a good job, we're not the model people to be up here teaching. And we're not talking about a platform or a stage or a classroom, we're talking one-on-one -on -one influencing people to help them in their stage in life. And this is so, so important. You've heard that life is like a box of chocolates. Right, you've heard that, right? I'm here to tell you that life is not a box of chocolates, but life is like a treasure chest. And in that treasure chest, there is a unique, a unique treasure in your life that no one else has what you have. And we look at your life and we go back and, and look and we see different things here in your life and, and we look inside and and, and there's all kinds of things. What we find here in your treasure chest is you, you may have been married. And you may think, well, I've been married, but my, my marriage hasn't been a model marriage. In fact, this is my second time around, so that disqualifies me to share and pass on that marriage. You, you just don't understand. People learn the most not from the model situations, but they learn the most sometimes from the tragedies, the failures of life. So just because you failed in marriage or you may not have the model marriage, you can turn around and teach somebody else how to avoid some of the pitfalls that you've had. 
So you, you know, you, you pull out of your treasure chest, you know, your, your marriage. And then, and then you look forward and, and then you look at, you know, well, some of you, you've, you've had leadership. You've led companies, you've been bosses, you've been managers, you've, you've got leadership skills that you could pass on to somebody younger than you and leverage what you know. You've built companies, you've done things with your life. And so you could pass on these leadership skills to other people. Then some of you, you know, you got your, you got your diplomas and you, you went to school and you maybe went one direction and then you changed directions, you changed your major. All of that experience that you had, those degrees, that experience that you had in the university can turn around and help somebody younger how to avoid some of that stuff. And then, you know, your spiritual experience, you know, you got, you've got your, your Bible in here and you say, well, I don't really know this really well. And, you know, I used to go to church, and then I left, and then I came back. Let me tell you, your spiritual experience, no matter how limited it might seem to you, is tremendous to somebody else. Even though you may have left and failed and fallen, your comeback story is invaluable to God. You know, some of you, you know, you look at this and you say, well, this represents conflicts that you've had in your life. Lots of relational conflicts. You've had conflicts at work. You've had conflicts in your marriage and family. You've had conflicts with a lot of people. All those things, those experiences that you've had in conflicts, you could pass on to somebody else younger than you and help them and teach them and share with them how to avoid and, and manage conflict. And you say, well, I've had a lot of this in my life. You know, some of you, some of you, uh, you've had children, you know, and, you know, you, you, you say, well, I can't really, I can't really talk about raising children because I've done a real bad job at raising mine. You know, I, I raised my children and, and, and they left the faith. Let me tell you, your experience to other parents is invaluable. Some of you got some prodigal children. Some of you got some children that have, have gone through some trouble. This is in, some of you don't have, have tried to have children, can't have children. That whole experience is invaluable to somebody behind you in the next stage of life that's going through the exact same thing. Don't disqualify your uniqueness and what you do. Some of you have had some incredible health challenges. This is in your treasure chest. The challenges that you've gone through with your health there are other people behind you that are facing that, are going to face that. What you've experienced is unique, and if you share it with somebody else, it could benefit them so much how to manage, how to overcome your health challenges. And some of you, you know, you, you've built companies, you've built organizations, you know, you understand what it means to build, and, and, and maybe it was a failure, maybe it fell apart. You, you learned a lot through that whole process. This is so important that you share your experience as a builder, as somebody who's been up the road, down the road, off the road, all the way down. It's so, so important. You know, we got so much stuff here in your life, in your treasure chest. Some of you, you've made a lot of money, you know. We got the, we got the, 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 the lots of money and you've, you've made it, you know. You've, you've rolled it in and then you've lost it. This could help people coming behind you how to experience it. And then some of you, you disqualify yourself because you've got some skeletons in your past. You've got some skeletons in your past and you're ashamed and you don't talk about these 
and they're in your chest. See, because it hurts to talk about these. So you hide them and you keep them from people. No one knows about these skeletons that you carry in your life chest. Let me tell you something about your story, these skeletons of your past. These are the most powerful things that can help people manage pain, manage failure. I mean, incredibly hard things that people have gone through when they share them. They help the next generation because other people are going through them as well. And they need to hear your story, how you got through it, how you forgave yourself, how you sought forgiveness from somebody else. Don't be afraid to share your skeletons because they very well may save somebody else from what you've gone through. So there's all kinds of stuff that we carry around in our life treasure. And what I wanna share with you today is, is this is unique. Every single one of you have something extremely valuable to pass on to somebody else. And what a tragedy not to pass it on. Here's a, here's a, a thing I want you to think about. All of us have been to funerals, right? Awesome funerals, I mean great ones, when you just go, wow, this guy, this woman, and this is what you see. The value of life is always determined by how much of it was given away. Not what level they succeeded in or how many cars they had or real estate, none of that matters when you die. What matters is the people that you've influenced, people that you've helped along the way. And that's when you go to one of those funerals where you see the house packed out and people are just pouring forward saying, you know what, without him, without her, my life would never be the same. You know what that individual did? They took the time to pass backwards and leverage, not just to their family. And some of us have disqualified ourselves from helping our family because we've maybe failed as a parent, we failed as, in some circumstances, but there's still other people out there that you can help. And what I'm saying today is, is we need to look at our lives as a treasure chest and say, well, I have some amazing things that I could share with somebody else. Because I promise you at the end of your life, you're going to look at this and you say, can I really put a value on my life? And we have to be intentional about it. And that's what Jesus is going to share with us today. He's got, he's got parables. Most of Jesus' parables, we're talking about this. See, because whether you like it or not, this makes people feel uncomfortable but I'm going to say it, and it's important because it's all throughout the New Testament. It's all throughout Jesus' teaching, and that is there will be a day of accountability. There'll be a day when Jesus evaluates our lives. I say, I don't believe that. I don't want to believe that. You, you can say whatever you want, think whatever you want. Many of us know in our conscience there's going to be some accountability, not just for the things that we've done, but the way we've lived our lives. And Jesus speaks to this so many times in his parables. And I want you to understand there's a way to make sure that when you are accountable to God, that you, you don't have to look at, I have to, but I get to. And when I, get to, when I get to Jesus and I give him my account of my life, I want to go, I want to be excited about it because I understand that my life was a treasure and I passed it on. I made sure that as many people that I could get hold of, I could share my experience with them. So we're going to look at this parable and it's called the parable of the talents. 
Jesus begins Matthew 25, verse 14. He says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey. And so he says, this is the kingdom of God. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and he entrusted his wealth to them. He gave them something of value. And Jesus is paralleling for us. God is the manager. God is the man that went on a journey, and he entrusts us with something incredibly valuable. Can you, put a, can you put a money figure? Can you put a dollar figure on your life? Uh-uh. But it's incredibly, incredibly valuable. So he entrusted it them. To the one, he gave five bags of gold, or in another translation, five talents. Let me tell you how much money this is. Estimates, scholars estimate a talent was basically 20 years of wages. One talent. So five talents, the sum of five talents, one talent equaled $600,000 at that time in our monetary value, minimum wage. So he was given five, three million dollars. Boom. The next one, another, was given two bags, 1.2 million dollars he was given and the third he was given he got one bag each according to his ability see god knows what you can handle he knows your abilities and he's going to give you exactly and he knows exactly what you're capable of doing no hiding here's what you got if you have capacity he's going to give you a lot then he went on his journey and it says here later, and, and here's, here's this last guy, you know, the last guy. Here's what I want to say to a lot of us because we think we're the third guy. We look at our life treasure and we say, man, I'm just average. I'm just ordinary. I don't have a lot. I'm not anybody special. In fact, I've failed a lot. I've done a lot of bad things in my life I'm not proud of. And we think we're a one-bagger. We're going to learn something from this one-bagger. And I want none of you, none of you to fall into this trap. Because if you're not careful, if you're not careful, it can slip by. You can miss it. You can miss the opportunity that you have to take what you've been given and pass it on to somebody who really needs it. So we read on. Verse 16. The man who received five bags of gold went at once. Did he waste any time? went right to work and put his money to work and gained five more bags. Whoa, whoa, five more bags? He went from three million to six million? I need to find him. But it's not the money, it's about, okay, the heart that he wanted to invest his life. And he wanted to please his master, say, man, you've entrusted me with something precious. And I want to make the most of it. So he went around and gave five more bags. Then the second one did the same thing. He got two more bags. He's given two. He went from 1.2, okay, doubled it, 2.4. Awesome return on investment. But we got the, the, the third bagger, I mean, the, the one bagger. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, they used to do this in the Old Testament. 
And that's why sometimes you'll come across a buried treasure because that's safekeeping. They didn't have banks or vaults in those times. So you go somewhere and you mark the spot, dig a hole, bury your treasure. That was safe, safekeeping. Nobody knew where it was. You know, it's a mentality. Jesus is mentioning this point, and we're going to see it play out. But as you think about your life being a treasure of experiences, abilities, ups and downs, think about this. What are you going to do with your treasure chest? What will you do with all of this, which is your life? Will you pass it along, or will you bury it? Will you hide it? Will you keep it all to yourself? And we're going to learn about this, this third one-bagger. After a long time, verse 19, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. So what's Jesus saying? There's going to be a day. It makes us feel uncomfortable. It doesn't have to make you feel uncomfortable. just want you to know that. It does not have to make you feel uncomfortable. If you get a conviction today, you don't have to be uncomfortable by judgment day. Even though you've got some stuff, some skeletons in your past, you do not have to be afraid. But you have to embrace it as an opportunity. After a long time, basically what Jesus is saying here, this long time is a lifetime. A lifetime is what he's saying. Let's look at the first guy, five-bagger. Okay. The man who received five bags of gold brought the other five said, Master, he said, you've entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, see, I have gained another five. Look at what I've done with what you gave me. Is he excited? I think he is. I think he's fired up. Because he saw, he understood. And then the, the second guy right after him, the one who received, it's exactly the same story. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Now, well, let's just talk about this. The five-bagger, a few things, $3 million is a few things? No, that's a lot. How, why is he saying it a few things? Because you have to understand something. In the kingdom of God, $3 million is nothing. It's nothing. Whatever you're trying to earn in your lifetime and make, you need to understand, compared to helping people change their lives and leveraging what you've received and passing it on to somebody in the next generation, is much more valuable than $3 million. That's why Jesus is saying, this is few. What you've done here with this, this money is few. I will put you in charge of many things. That's intense. Come and share your master's happiness. What's this tell you about God? God gets very excited when an individual takes what he's received and passes it on and does something with his life to help other people. He gets very excited. It fires God up is what Jesus is saying. And so today, I want to encourage you. In the second two-bagger, he did the exact same thing, exact same response. Well done, good and faithful servant. You did a great job. Your life was awesome. But then, you know, there's this, there's this, this story. 
and, and we got to get to him. Then the man who received one bag, the one bagger, the guy who thought he was average and ordinary, didn't have anything to do, you know, didn't have anything. Look at what he says. Then the man who received one bag of gold said, Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man. Now let's just deal with this. I knew you were a hard man. Is God a hard man? But because he didn't know God, and this is, this is something I got to say to some of you. You don't know God. You think God, because of the way you were raised or because some preacher, some minister, somebody, a priest, somebody told you that God's going to be hard and he's going to yell at you and he's going to come down on you. You don't know God. God is a good God. He's a merciful, loving God. And so he basically mis, misquotes God, misconstrues God, who God is. You think that makes God happy when you accuse him of being someone who he is not? He's going to say to you, get to know me like John Clayton. Get to know me for yourself. Read your Bible. Read the scriptures. Sit down with somebody who knows it better than you. Learn from them. Get educated. That's why I read my Bible through every year. I read it through cover to cover. Why? Because I want to know God more. I've been reading it for 29 years. I still got a lot I want to learn. I need to be reminded of how good God is how powerful he is, how much he wants to bless my life and the people around me. We read on. So the man said, I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. Here you go. Now, is this, is this wrong? Did he steal it? No. But you got to understand there's expectations with your life. Not only is there expectations, there's opportunities. And for those of you who believe in Jesus, who are followers of Jesus, you need to understand you have a responsibility to help others around you. It's not enough to come to church and sit and hear and listen and go home and go, wow, that was really nice. What are you going to do tomorrow? What's your plan for the week? This is so important. And people who understand this concept, they do amazing things with their lives, like John Clayton, like so many of members of our church that are here today. So I know this is going to make you feel incredibly uncomfortable, but this is how it is. This is what it is. Read it for yourself. We go on, and what does God say to this servant? His master replied, you wicked and lazy servants. Why wicked? Because you're wicked and, and, and putting your your dis, your dis you know, your misconstrued view of me and you're putting that on me, you're saying I'm somebody I'm not. How dare you? That's wicked to say God is bad, God is hard. That's wrong. How can you, how can you put that judgment on God when you don't know him? And you never took the time, you were too busy to get to know God for yourself. You went to church a few times, but you never really studied it out for yourself. This is huge. And some of us got to be honest. Well, I, I just, I, I didn't know this was worth anything. I thought it was ordinary. Who wants to know my life? Let me tell you something. A lot of people want to know your life. And the more you live, the more experiences you have, the more you have to offer. Do not bury your treasure because it's a treasure. And a lot of times the reason why we don't do anything with our lives is because it's all about us. 
I see a lot of people doing this. And I catch myself doing this time, time. You know, I'm sitting around, I'm surfing around. What about everybody else that's around you? Okay, it's okay. Check your voicemail, send a message, but not that everything is here and you're like locked in and there's nobody around and there's nothing else going on. Be with people. Understand you have something special. It's just lazy. You've got to have an intentional plan. I want to help people. I want my life to count. So read it for yourself. It's, it's, it makes people uncomfortable, but it's there for a reason. It's so you can feel uncomfortable now versus later. We're talking a lot of uncomfortability later. So let's talk about this idea of pouring in, pouring out. My whole life, as, as a young man, I, I started following Jesus in college, and from day one, I realized I got to get poured into. I got to get help. I got to get someone to train me, to help me grow and help me mature. And at that stage, I was a college student, and I had some mediocre study habits. And I realized, you know, if I'm going to be an excellent student for God, I got to get somebody to help me with my study habits. So I sat down with a brother in the church. He was a minister. And I said, hey, will you help me with my study habits? He said, absolutely. Give me your schedule. And I had to lay it out there. He said, you got a lot of time on your hands. I didn't think I had a lot of time on my hands. I was working. And church occupied a lot of time in my life. And I had to study a lot. I thought my time was, and he said, look, you got a lot of time. And I said, really, show me. Boom, 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 boom. He, he mapped it out, showed me how. And I, and I realized, man, I got a lot of time and I got to make the most of my time. And he helped me understand a disciplined life. Made all the difference. Helped me graduate from college. And as I got out of college, I was a single man. How, how's this whole dating thing work? I'm, I want to get married one day. How's that work? I had to get taught from somebody in the next stage of life, so I went after somebody and said, hey, teach me. And I, on a regular basis, had what we called then and what we still call, and, and, and I think some of you need to re on this, is a discipleship time. Sit down with somebody and say, hey, will you help me understand what it means to be in the stage of life that I'm in so I can do this right? Because I see you've learned. I see that you have some treasures. And I had people help me in my dating relationship. Help people minister to me and help me to become a better minister as I started out working in the ministry right after college in the youth ministry of all places. And I said, man, these kids are to pull my hair out. And I had another guy say, hey, you need to settle down and you need to love these kids because you were one of them one time. Remember how you were, you knucklehead? I said, man, and I got trained and it helped me, man. I, I love the teen ministry. And just as I fell in love with the teen ministry, I love the teen ministry. said, you're going to be a missionary. And I went to be a missionary. And I had to sit down and learn how to be a missionary, learn how to speak a language. I had to be poured into all my life up until today, I'm getting poured into. Then there's an expectation to take what you've been poured into and pour it into other people. Now, I know I'm talking to the 40-plus-year-olds, but can I talk to the students? You guys are young. Are you taking advantage of the opportunity to get poured into? Who are you reaching out to to get help on your stage in life with whatever it is you want to grow in and mature in? And do you realize that not only can you be getting poured into, and see, this is a hard thing when you're a teenager because you realize, man, I got this. 
You know you don't. Okay, let down the guard. Be honest with yourself. You know you don't. Just go ahead and say it. Hey, I need someone to pour into me. Find a single, find a college student, find somebody in the next stage in front of you and say, hey, will you pour into me? And you guys have some great people. I appreciate so much Ralph and Lucy, they dedicate. You know, we got other people that are shepherds in the teen ministry. Mike and Ayumi, they're there 24-7, you know, and they're there for the teens. But I fear that some of you teens are not making sure you get poured into. Open up. Fill your cup. And then understand, even as a teen, you have something to give. Some of your, some of your fellow students are downstairs serving, and, and some of you are up here today. Last week you were downstairs. You were serving in the children's ministry. Do you know what it means for children when they come to class and you're there? Not some older gray guy? <laughs> Do you understand that? Remember what it was like for you when you were a little kid? Who did you look up to? Who did you like? Teens were the best. They were the coolest. They were, they, were, they were out of themselves. They want to be just like you. So why can't you go down there and help them? There's 10 slots, 10 slots today that you guys can fill, but not just in the children's ministry, but in life. Reach down, take the time, put your phone down, and help children. Singles, the same thing. Help somebody behind you. Young couples, can I say, can I take a moment for young couples? Some of you guys are not taking the time to learn and get poured into. And that's why your marriage is with a limp. Listen, I got more time in my marriage, even, even a, few years, a few years later, when I was well along in marriage, 20 years. Boy, I needed a lot more help then than I did when I was young married. It never stops. Some of you are not doing well in your marriage because you're not getting poured into. And can you, if you're not getting poured into, can you pour out? No. And if you're here as a guest, listen, we, we, we believe in helping couples have great marriages. Amen. And some of you don't like people getting in your business. It's your choice. I want people in my business because I want to I be glad I did later, not wish I would have later when it's too late. See, and I see this, a front row seat, 50-yard line. I see it. So many couples, they say, I wish I would have. I wish I'd have got poured into. And then I could pour out. Young mothers, got any young mothers in the house? Young mothers, you need to learn how to raise your children. There's a lot of older mothers here. They know, well, they kind of got these old ideas, old mentalities. Let me tell you something. There is nothing new under the sun. You think it's all new and it's, it's brand new. No, let me tell you, you're going to stumble along. You're going to fumble and bumble your life. And it's your children. If they are precious to you, become an expert at how to raise children. And let me just say this. If you have young children, you need to be there this Saturday morning at 9, 8, 10 a.m. Oh, well, I got plans. There's a birthday party. Listen. You want to have a lot of happy birthdays with your children? <laughs> Learn how to be a great parent. Become a great parent. Learn, sit at the feet, and then you can help other parents. And some of you, you've been through it. You're not the perfect parent. Your kids don't listen to you anymore. You can teach through that. There's a voice of experience. Okay, so enough said. You got my point? Okay? Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. Go after this. We only get one shot at life. Because the value of a life is always determined by how much of it was given away. 
Here's the four things that you have in your life. Plus 40s, 40 plus. You have insight, you have perspective, you have wisdom, and you have experience. Please, please don't bury these incredible abilities and and things that you have. Pass it back to somebody else so they can receive it. I want to share about John and Nancy Mantle. You guys, some of you guys know them. If you don't know them, this is an incredible couple. They're going to be uh, retiring in December. Okay? Retiring. 68 years old, John is. I I want to share about John because for the last 15 years, he has dedicated a a, a week, sometimes two weeks, and then throughout the year, planning and preparation, as well as his other ministry responsibilities as an elder, he dedicates a week to two weeks a summer at youth camp. You say, what is a guy that's 60 years old doing at youth camp? This is what he says. Being with these young people changes me. God uses them to soften my heart. It's an incredible inconvenience to be up at youth camp. It's noisy. It's dusty. You know, it's just, it's it's not a great vacation. See, John doesn't look at it that way. He sees the hearts of these young people. He says, man, these young hearts, they're precious hearts, and it's a special week for me and others to teach them who God is and how much God loves them. John had an incredible experience in his life. Do you know that John was just an administrator in a hospital, you know, 40 years ago, in charge of human resources, sit behind a desk, Average person, his marriage, not good. You should hear his story. But he decided to get poured into. He, he studied the Bible with Roger Lamb. He got logged in, logged up, and, and basically became somebody who got poured into, took all those life experiences. Let me tell you, when he tells his story in a marriage retreat, it moves people because he talks about the failures People learned, have learned a lot from his failures. But because he got poured into, he's an incredible success. All of his children love Jesus. He's got grandchildren that are leaning in on Jesus now. An incredible example. So, what are you, you going to do with all this stuff? Which is your life. I want to lift up a special couple here today. They're, they're moving uh, this week, right? And this is an example of what I've been talking about. You know, we have a great website. Uh, you know, Marcus is the guy who has basically initiated our website, taking care of it. I send him stuff every week, and he puts it on the website. There's any changes, there's any glitches. He takes care of it. He's moving to the Antelope Valley uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a week or two. And so I, I just want to thank you both, Merle and Marcus, for what you've done, the Hueys. Uh, they've been a great model of pouring out and helping. We'll miss you guys. But our loss is A.V.'s blessing. But Marcus, he's done up here with the band. He's done all kinds of stuff. He, he's poured himself out. He's tried to leverage all the gifts that he has to help benefit those coming behind him. And there's so many examples of that in our church. So many examples of people like that in our church. And I want to encourage you, because some of you are sitting on the sidelines. 
And I want Jesus to, to, to call you in and say, hey, listen, it's not enough just to be a part of a group. Impact your group. Get outside of your group. Reach back. Reach out. You know, find, pray about, God, I want my life to count. I want to have a value in my life. Talk to people. Get outside of your comfort zone. Do not be lazy. You say, well, I don't have time. Trust me, you've got time. Problem isn't time. It's heart. So many of you are stepping forward. And then this is not a volunteer campaign to get you to sign up. No, this is a life talk. For those of you, especially at 40 years older. So, I want to encourage you today to think about what we're saying. Jesus gave his life. And now I want to show you uh, a video, homemade video, uh, by somebody who's aspiring to be uh, a video production person. And uh, it's one of our volunteers, uh, Ralph Garcia. He, he's a volunteer in our youth ministry. And Ralph really wants to use his talents to impact people. And so he made this video. It's a story. It's called My Story. And it takes us back in time to the first century and uh, lifts up some different peoples. And then we're going to pray for the communion, uh, which we need to understand that Jesus poured out everything so we could leverage our lives. Okay? So let's watch the video. And you may recognize some people in the video, but try to look at it from the vantage point of who the story's about. Okay, we're going to try to start. So we, uh, we having a sound check? Should be sound to it. Sorry, Ralph. The sound really is good. That's why I don't want to miss it.
Let's pray for the communion. Father, thank you for reminding of us our, of our story. God, help us not to discount our story, our treasure, our experiences, our failures, our successes, where we've been, where we've traveled to. Father, we pray that our lives can be valuable in your eyes and we can use our lives to help other people behind us in their next stage. Father, forgive us for the times that we bury our lives, we bury our, our treasure and our experiences. We hide stuff. We want to keep them in the closet when they could very well be something that glorifies you. Father, thank you that Jesus gave his life so that we could tell our story and that our story will have value, that you made us new in spite of the fact that we did some really, really horrible things that we're ashamed of. God, that you can take those things and make them new and forgive us. We lift up Jesus right now. We lift up his body. We lift up his blood. We remember what he did for us. Bless this communion. And thank you, God, that our story is valuable to you. And Jesus' story is so valuable to us. We love you. We lift him up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.